clap of praise. God is so good. So good. So good. So good. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, isn't he worthy tonight? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Lord bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. It is so good to be here tonight at this Labor Day uh, preaching conference, anniversary services. And good to be with all of God's people. It's an honor to be with God's people tonight. I am so glad that I have been baptized in Jesus' name. It is a privilege to be baptized in the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm so glad I've had the privilege of repenting of my sins. And I'm so glad I've had the privilege of being filled with His glorious Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So good to be here uh, with Pastor Davies and family. And uh, it is our honor to be here. And uh, Brother Davies, we too count you, your family, as dear friends. And just an honor to be here with these great men of God. Looking forward to this uh, this meeting, these next few services. I believe we're going to hear from the Lord in this meeting. Praise God. Amen. Down from His glory, ever living story. Our God and Savior King And Jesus was His name Born in a manger To His own stranger a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. Oh, how I love him! How I adore! Sunshine, my all and all, the great Creator became my Savior, and all God's full. You know it, why don't you sing it with me tonight? Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine. 
Why don't we sing it together one more time? Oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my Aren't you glad you know him tonight? Aren't you glad you know who Jesus is? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. the Lord. Turn with me tonight to the book of Judges, chapter number 21. I, I feel at home here tonight, and uh, I, I love preaching in this church. This church loves the Word of God and has been so well taught, um, and I know this is the first night of a meeting a lot of times the first night is an adjustment night. Folks are coming in and getting adjusted to a new environment and, and new surroundings and, and what have you. And home folks, it's a little different. But even though it's home, they're getting adjusted to a lot of people from a lot of different places and different ministers. But uh, uh, I wish we'd just settle in our minds we're already adjusted <laughs> and uh, we are we are one God apostolics here tonight we know how to have church and uh, what I feel tonight is a little different and I I question myself all all evening all afternoon and I really <clears throat> wanted a confirmation tonight and uh, Pastor Davies, opening up this service, spoke a confirmation in just his opening remarks. I knew that um, that that was the same vein and channel and avenue that I had already been feeling. And so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But uh, you know, there are some there are just some basics that we need to be committed to and we need to hear them over and over and over again amen about our identity and who we are we are apostolics amen we don't apologize for how we have church we don't apologize for how we pray 
We, we don't apologize for our mode of worship and praise. This is who we are. Praise God, and I'm glad to be, amen, among God's people. Good to be here with these wonderful men of God. These men were going to be here, and uh, Brother Kerr and Brother uh, Rainey and uh, Brother White. We're just looking forward to the Lord speaking to us. We are certainly blessed this week to sit together in heavenly places. And so I trust that you will help me for a few moments tonight in this meeting. Judges chapter 21 and verse number 16. Judges 21 and 16. Then the elders of the congregation said, How shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? And they said, There must be an inheritance for them that be escaped of Benjamin, that a tribe be not destroyed out of Israel. Howbeit we may not give them wives of our own daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn, saying, Cursed be he that giveth a wife to Benjamin. Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh, yearly in a place which is on the north side of Bethel on down to verse 20 therefore they commanded the children of Benjamin saying go and lie in wait in the vineyards and see and behold if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in dances then come ye out of the vineyards and catch you every man his wife now, Brother Davies has already acted quite nervous about young men coming to McMinnville and catching a wife. And it looks like I'm going to preach to you about how to catch a wife. Uh, don't prejudge me yet, all right? But we are reading out of the Bible still. He said, uh, Come ye out of the vineyards and catch you every man his wife of the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. I want to preach tonight. If you want to be in the bride, you've got to show up at the dance. If you want to be in the bride, you've got to show up to the dance. Hallelujah. Will you help this preacher preach tonight? Hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands and ask the Lord to talk to us and help us in this place. Father, we love you. God, we ask you for your touch. We ask you for your anointing. Lord, for your blessings upon us tonight. We lift our eyes, God, to you from where our help comes from. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to my heart and speak to my mind and Help me, dear God. Help me, dear God, tonight. Lord, I want to please you in this service. I pray, God, today that every word that is spoken would be uttered, Lord, by you and in your will. In Jesus' name, praise God. Lord, bless you. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord, praise God. The book of Judges is uh, a book that chronicles 
the vicious cycle that the children of Israel began to fall into as they settled the promised land that God had given to them. And it was a cycle, it seems, that in all of their history, they really never defeated and really never uh, got out of. It was, um, it was a cycle that as God blessed them and as God prospered them, they would get complacent. And they would get forgetful about where their blessings came from. And the colder that they got and the more forgetful they became, they would turn to the idols of the nations around them. They would turn to the practices of the surrounding people and adopt their ways and adopt their philosophies and adopt their lifestyles. And uh, the more this would happen, the further from God they would get and the further in sin they would get. Before long, sin would, would captivate them. And God would have to send uh, a, a warning. God would have to send a wake-up call. God would finally have to send judgment against them. And when judgment would come, it seems that they would, they would humble down and they would repent and they would turn back to God. And they would get rid of their idols and they would clean up their lives and turn back to Him and they would begin to worship the one true living God again. And uh, God would start blessing them again. God would start prospering them again. And the same cycle would repeat. They would get complacent. They would get distant from God. And God would have to send uh, judgment against them and turn them over to the nations around them. And it was a, a cycle that repeated itself Again and again. It was blessings, complacency, sin, judgment, repentance, and then blessings, and then complacency, and then judgment, and then repentance, and then blessings, and then complacency and sin. Does that sound familiar? Amen. I'm going to tell you today, we can sometimes in our blessings, we can get cold and distant. And it takes God taking some of our blessings to cause us to wake up and get us back on our knees again. When it ought to be that the blessings make us thankful. And the blessings make us appreciate what God has done. And the blessings make us worship and praise God more. That the blessings cause us to have a deeper prayer life. And a deeper consecration. And walk with God. Amen. And so there is this story that covers Judges chapter 19 and 20 and 21. That is the last story in the book of Judges. And it, and it seems to encapsulate what has happened in Israel and their carnality, and their distancing themselves from God. The story starts out in chapter number 19 and begins to let us know that there was a Levite. And this man, he had some marriage troubles. And uh, he, had, 
He had problems in his home. Matter of fact, he uh, was separated from uh, his wife for several months, and she went back home. And so the Bible said that her husband arose after this time of separation, and he went after her to speak friendly unto her, the Bible said. Evidently, he had not been speaking very friendly to her while they were together. Seems like a change of plans, you know, a change of lifestyle, praise God. But I'm going to tell you, uh, trouble can get a hold of your attention and can change the way you live. And uh, he decided, hey, I'm going to try the kind route. I'm going to go be uh, friendly unto her. And so he journeyed uh, to um, her father's house in Bethlehem, Judah. And uh, he gets there, and it seems like everybody is glad to see him. And um, he uh, abides there, the Bible says, for three days. And and um, they ate and drank, and they visited, and he lodged there. And, and finally, on the fourth day, he decides it's time uh, to get my bride, and it's time to go home. And so... Uh, the father-in-law uh, evidently was glad to see him and had enjoyed the uh, fellowship. And, and he said, hey, don't, don't leave yet. It's too early to leave. Just hang around another day. And the son-in-law, he thought, well, that's, that's a good idea. Everybody's been so welcoming and been so kind. I guess I'll just stay here for a little longer. And so um, they sat down and they ate and drank some more and fellowshiped a little bit and and he stayed that night and and the next day he gets up and and his father-in-law says hey there's no rush why would you want to leave can you stay around why don't you why don't you just uh, stay around and and eat uh, eat lunch with us and so he does he stays around and um, uh, the sun begins to start to go down and and he realizes that if he doesn't get on the road now, that that an entire day, another day, is going to be wasted. And he's ready to get his family home. And so uh, he, uh, he, he realized that it was getting toward evening. But the Bible said that the man said, I'm not going to tarry tonight. And uh, I, I want to tell you this. There was already a destination in this man's mind. There was, he already knew where he was going to go. And ultimately, he was going to get his family back home. But, but uh, uh, really, really, he got it in his mind. He, he needed his family to get back together. He needed his home back together. And he got it in his mind. I'm going to get my family and we're going to go to the house of the Lord. That's the first place that I've got to go if I'm going to get things worked out in my home and in my marriage and in my family. It sounds like a good idea to me. I'm going to tell you, when you got trouble, it's not time to stay away from church. It's time to go to church. When you got problems in your home, it's not time to stay home and think about it and try to figure everything out. But it's time to get to the house of God. Yeah, man. I want to tell you, when you, you get somebody that makes up their mind, I'm going to be faithful to the house of God, I'm going to be committed to church, everything in life will seem to conspire to delay you from getting to church, to stop you from getting to church on time, 
to stop you from getting to prayer service before church. Amen. Well-meaning people, it seems, will get in the way of you getting to where your answer is. People that do not mean evil against you will get in the way to try to delay, to delay you getting to church. One of the things that, that, uh, that I try to impress on new converts and impress on backsliders and people that are new to church is you need to get here to church. Don't let anything stop you. You'll be getting there. You'll, you'll get ready. Get your kids all ready. And there'll be somebody that don't understand how important church is to you. They don't understand how desperately you need to get there. And they'll just drop by and you feel like the nice thing is to just stand around and talk. But you need to tell them, hey, I've got to get to the house of God. That's, that is where I get my answer. It's where I get my direction. I've got to get there. Praise God. And so he, he, begins to, he begins to experience this perpetual delay. And later on, we find that he does make it known. He said, I am now going to the house of the Lord. So I want you to see this. Later on, we find out it was in his mind. But he is trying to get his family, trying to get himself to the house of the Lord. Because... I'm telling you, it don't matter how bad things are. It don't matter how bad your mind is confused. If you can get to church, God can work things out. It doesn't matter what kind of troubles you have. There are no troubles too big that it ought to keep you out of the house of God. There are, there are not questions so complex that they ought to keep you home from the house of God. This is where the confusion gets cleared up. This is where the questions are answered in the house of God. And so we find that, that, that he finally, he, he gets uh, his things together. And he begins to head out on his journey. And so as the sun is sinking, they come uh, close to the city of the Jebusites. What we know of as Jerusalem at that time, it did not belong to the children of Israel. And uh, he said, look, we're not going to stay there. We don't know what kind of people live there. We're not going to abide there. We're going we're to go over here to Gibeah, where there is uh, a little town of, of Israelites. And, and we're going to find lodging there. We're going to find a welcome there. Surely somebody will take us in among the Gibeah, uh, the, uh, at Gibeah of the Benjamites. And so we find that... Uh, they get to Gibeah, and there is no welcome there. We find that they, uh, they, as the sun has set, we find that they are in the streets of this little town. And some translations say that they came to the city square, and they stayed there. And uh, while they were there in the streets of this little town, there was an elder he, who was originally from Mount Ephraim, where the Levite was from. And he, he crosses paths with them and begins to inquire, where are you from? Where are you going? And he said, well, uh, he begins to explain the situation. I'm from Mount Ephraim, and, and uh, that's my home, and I've been to Bethlehem, Judah, but now we're going to the house of the Lord, and no one has received me into his house. And he said, well, I want you to come. You come to my house. And, and uh, so he welcomes them in. And so, no doubt, they go to the elderly man's house who was living there and had been working in the fields. And they began to reminisce and maybe uh, talk about 
uh, the acquaintances that both of them had there in Mount Ephraim and and uh, they're uh, catching the man up on what's going on and who's doing what and who married who and as it is uh, when people have been away from their hometown for some time and uh, as the night begins to progress there is a knock at the door now I want to remind you that this is in a city of Israel this is of a tribe that is one of the 12 tribes of Israel. This is a place where people know who God is. This is a place of people who know the laws of God. And we find that there is a knock on the door. And there is a cry from without. Said, you've got some strangers in your house. And we want you to bring them out. And their very desire was to commit perversion with them. Now, it sounds kind of familiar to what happened when the two angels went to rescue Lot and uh, his family in Sodom. That's what happened. Basically, the same thing. Now, you expect something like that to happen in a place that has the reputation of Sodom. But you don't expect these kinds of things to happen in a place where people are the children of Israel. Where people have the laws of God. You don't expect these kind of desires and these kind of wickedness, amen, to be there and to be so forceful and to be so aggressive and to be so demanding. And it came to be that they were so forceful and they were so assertive that finally there was a compromise made that this man's concubine was thrust out to save themselves the man's concubine was thrust out and i don't want to get too plain tonight but she was abused and misused that night to the point of death and when it came time for the man to take his journey on toward where he was going he opens the door and there she is with her hand stretched out across the threshold and he said get up let's go and there was no movement and no answer. He said, come on, let us be going. And there was no response. She had lost her life in the process of these people fulfilling their lust and their greed and their self-will. I want to tell you tonight, amen, it should not be named in the church that we get in the way of people trying to get their lives put back together and trying to get to the house of God and trying to get the right direction. I'm going to tell you, we are living in a time where people come in and our young people make heroes out of people that have lives that are devastated and lives that are a train wreck. Those people are not to be your heroes. They need what we've got. They need what we have. Don't get in their way. Don't glamorize their lifestyle. Amen. We need to bring them on in to the altar. Amen. They need to repent. They need to get this Holy Ghost. They need what we have. Amen. 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 Getting in the way. Getting in the way. I'm telling you, young people, you bring somebody to church, don't sit back there and chew bubble gum and just sit back there and look and just half interested because somebody from your neighborhood or somewhere came to church they need to see you up there shouting and dancing and praising God like we normally do 
Don't get in their way. Don't get in their way if they're trying to get to God. Don't get in their way. Bring them on to truth. Hallelujah. And so, and so the word is spread throughout all of Israel that there has been a wicked thing done. And there has never been such a wicked thing done in all of Israel up until now. Y'all still with me tonight? There has never been this kind of wickedness named in Israel. And the tribes get together and they find out this is in the tribe of Benjamin. What are we going to do about it? How is this thing going to be resolved? We cannot let this continue. We cannot allow this to be named among us. When they hear the story, they are appalled and they grieve because of the wickedness that has been named among the tribe of Benjamin. And they call the tribe of Benjamin out, call them to give an account. And, and you know what is so surprising about the story? Instead of the tribe of Benjamin say, oh, we're so ashamed. Oh, we're so embarrassed. Oh, this is such a terrible thing. We're going, to sur- we're going to get to the bottom of this and find out who's committed this despicable act. They stand up and defend them. We're not going to turn them over. No, no, we're not. No, no. These are, these are our brothers. You know blood is thicker than water. You know blood is thicker than water. You know, if this was in another tribe, we'd be demanding justice too. But this is a family deal, you know. And it don't look near as bad on my family as it does on somebody else's family. It don't look near as bad on my children as it does on somebody else's children. I'm going to tell you, sin is sin. It don't matter where it comes from. Wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter who committed it. And the mistake that the tribe of Benjamin made is they defended those who were wrong. Oh, I'm telling you, I've been amazed as a pastor sometimes. I've been amazed. The good people who will defend wrong because it's in somebody they love. Or someone they're attached to. Or somebody they want to impress. Or somebody they want to stay in good graces with. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. People that would never think of doing that themselves. People that would never cross that line themselves. Y'all with me tonight. And yet, and yet, defend the one who is connected to them. Who committed the act. And so, and so, there's nothing left to do except go to war. There's nothing left to do. It's got to be conflict. It's got to be conflict. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times when the kingdom gets in conflict. There's going to be times when the pastor goes to war. And the leaders of the church, if they've got any backbone, they go to war. And you better make sure when it's war time, you're on the right side. You better make sure you're not a sympathizer. You better make sure you're not a compromiser. You better make sure you're not taking up 
for the side that God is against. Hey, I'm going to tell you, this is God's church. He's not going to let sin just work its way and work its way in without taking a stand and drawing the line and saying, that's enough. He's not going to let just young person after young person be destroyed. Family after family be destroyed. Because sin is active. Sin is powerful. Sin is aggressive. And it must be cut off. And the best thing you can do for your children, the best thing you can do for your soul's salvation, and the best thing you can do for your family is stand with the man of God and stand uh, with the leadership and say, We want a clean church. We want a right church. We want a holiness church. We want to be pleasing to God. We want the favor and the blessing of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. And so they went to war. And it is the children of Israel against one tribe of Benjamin. And the first battle at the end of the day... It was very discouraging for those who were on the side of the right. Because when they looked, it looked like the children of Israel had lost. And the tribe of Benjamin had won. And brother, it's discouraging. It, it, it's discouraging when you stand for what's right. And it looks like the battle goes for the ones who are wrong. It's disheartening when you know I've stood for right and I've stood for truth and it looks like I'm losing the battle. But I came to tell you, Pastor, I came to tell you, Saint, keep on fighting. It's not over. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Hallelujah. Amen. And the second day, they go out to battle again. And it is just as discouraging the second day as it was the first day. They come back from the battle and they tally up uh, the losses. And it looks like they've got a whole lot more losses for the children of Israel than for the tribe of Benjamin. And they go to praying, and they go to crying, and they are grieving. They're saying, God, what do we do? Do we keep fighting? We've suffered losses. We've suffered defeats. And we know that we're doing what's right. And we know that they are, they are defending what is wrong. Lord, what's going on here? And this time, God gave them a fail-proof battle plan. If you learn how to seek after God, He can give you a fail-proof battle plan. Hallelujah. Oh, it looks like we're defeated. It looks like it's going down. And I, I'm going to tell you, probably in every ministry, probably in every church, maybe in every saint's life, it looks like at times that the devil got the upper hand. And they go back a third time. And guess what? God's plan worked. I'm telling you, the tribe of Benjamin just didn't have a bad day. But the tribe was, was annihilated, destroyed. All but 600 men who made their way to the caves and the rocks to hide. All but six. Now that sounds like a lot of people. 
But when you've got a tribe of thousands and tens of thousands of people and all that's left of the tribe is 600, it's pretty slim pickings. And they get, they, they, the, the children of Israel get together and they're grieving. They didn't want it to come to this. They didn't want to lose these people. They didn't want it to be a bloodbath. They didn't want it to come to such a horrid end for Benjamin. And the Bible said they are grieving. And they said, what can we do for the tribe of Benjamin? Look at what sin has destroyed. Look at, at what has been taken away from this tribe because of their stubbornness and their rebellion. Rebellion. Look at what has happened, the damage that has been done. And they grieved about it. And they are asking one another, they're asking God, what do we do about the damage that has been done to this tribe? What can we possibly do about it? What can be done? And they are grieving. And they have told one another, they've already made a pact between themselves. They've made a pact between the tribes. There's never going to be one of our daughters that's going to be married to the tribe of Benjamin. We're not, we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to allow there to be a covenant between our tribe, a marriage covenant between someone from our tribe and their tribe. It's not going to happen because of what has been done in that tribe and the sin that's been committed And so they're, they're, they're trying to think, what's the plan? How in the world can a tribe be restored? How can, how can there be a restoration of what sin has destroyed? How can we get this tribe back on the right track again? How can it happened. And someone said, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is at Shiloh. And, you know, when we have the feast at Shiloh and the people come to worship, you know, we come and we worship God and, and uh, much of the way they do now, the men would come out and, and the men would dance, the married men would dance and, and then... Uh, the, the young unmarried men will dance and, and then the, uh, the married sisters, they come out and, and they dance and it's not a sensual, fleshly, carnal dance. It was a dance in worship to God. And then the young unmarried ladies, they would come out and they would dance and everybody had their time and and, and they would dance before the Lord. And they would praise God in the dance. And they said, I tell you what. If there's going to be a work of restoration. And if there's going to be a restoration of what sin has destroyed. It's got to take place at the dance. At the house of God. And if there's going to be a bride procured, it's going to take place at the dance, at the house of the Lord. I want to tell you today, there's been a lot of damage that sin has done right here in lives tonight. There's been a lot of things that, that rebellion 
and, and sin has worked in lives even right here tonight. I want to tell you, amen, I, I, I just, can I preach to you tonight? I, I want to tell you tonight, there's too many sour faces in Pentecost. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there, there's too many worried looks in Pentecost. I, I know what, what Obama's doing, and I, I know the Democrats are in power, and I, I know that it's looking like everything's being set up for the Antichrist. And, and uh, I know we got a lot to worry about, but I'm going to tell you, we got a place that we can get away from all of that pressure, and we get away from all of that fear, and we get away from all of those worries. I'm telling you, we got a place that we can step out of the world and we can lose ourselves in praise and in worship and giving God glory. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's too many joyless saints in Pentecost. It's God's will that we have joy in serving Him. It's God's will that there be joy in worship. It's God's will there be joy in prayer. It's God's will there be joy in going to the house of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I, I'm going to tell you, we got too many fault finders in Pentecost. We got too many critics in Pentecost. We got too many cynics that hang around the church and they know who's a hypocrite and who's just about a hypocrite and who they think's going to be a hypocrite. You can't have any joy that way. You can't feel good about coming to church that way. Uh, I'm going to tell you, but if you want to get the damage fixed uh, that sin has done in your life, in your home, it's not in sitting back there uh, with your arm on the pew uh, uh, checking out what, who's hot and who's not uh, and whether the preacher's ringing your bell or not. Uh, I want to tell you where the joy is, uh, where the restoration is. Uh, it's when you can come to the house of God uh, and learn how to praise Him uh, and learn how to quit murmuring and learn how to quit complaining. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is what I had tonight. Brother Davy stepped in this pulpit and said, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, what we need to do is worship Him in spirit and in truth. Oh, I'm going to tell you, you can be fretting about the devil tonight, but that's not going to get you anywhere with God. You can be fretting about the future, but that's not going to get you anywhere with God. You can be worried about your kids and your grandkids, but that's not going to get you anywhere. I'll tell you what's going to get you somewhere uh, is learning how to show up at the dance uh, and giving God glory and praise. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. We are so prone to grumble and complain about the least little inconvenience. And we are so blessed in America. We have so much to be thankful for. 
I'm going to tell you, God hates grumbling. God hates that murmuring. If it kept the children of Israel out of the promised land for 40 years, don't you think it's probably keeping a few blessings out of your life? Don't you think it may be keeping a few good things from coming your direction as long as you're always looking at the negative and you're always looking for something to find some fault in? If you're looking for the negative, you'll find it. If you're looking for fault in the church or fault in the ministry, you'll probably find it. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, God loves to bless thankful people. I have watched people, they have good jobs, plenty of money, nice home, nice car, all of the luxuries that they could want or that their kids could want. And yet, they are some of the most miserable people that I know. And yet... I pastor other people. They have sickness in their body. They, they, they have trouble with their finances. They've got, they don't have a decent car. They don't have very much to their name. And yet they come to the house of God. And you don't have to beg them. You don't have to pump them. You don't have to push them. You don't have to berate them. All you have to do is just start singing a song. And those hands go up. And they start praising God. And they're one of the first to get out in the aisle. And say, God, you've been good to me. I love you. I thank you for your goodness in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, I'm going to tell you, uh, my wife's here. I'm so glad she's here tonight. I, I, I married into a very wonderful family. And my mother-in-law, she likes to buy what she calls prizes. And... She, she buys prizes, you know. And we'd get together for family get-together, and, and uh, she'd have a little, a little prize for my wife and, and uh, one for my little girl, and, and sometimes she'd have something for me. Now, and, you know, I was raised in a family of seven, and we were always told kids are to be seen and not heard. You heard that a few times. <laughs> Well, I married into a family where the loudest person is the only one listened to. I could be in the middle of something profound. And one of the grandkids come running in. Hey, I just hurt myself. I need a band-aid. Everybody in the family goes. <gasps> and and uh, I mean, whoever is the loudest, that's who gets listened to. It took me a few years to catch on. But I finally did, bless God. And and so, one time, I, you know, I just uh, I just uh, kind of from a, a quieter family. And one time we got together, and my mother-in-law she has she has my wife a, a prize, and she has my daughter, my little brat of a daughter with a prize. No, and 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 they're they're saying, oh, thank you, thank you. And I said, 
you know, it finally dawned on me, I'm not getting anything. So, hey, where's mine? She said, well, you don't ever act like you like anything I get you. You don't, you don't ever show any expression. I didn't know you were supposed to. I just said thank you, and I thought that was enough. It wasn't enough for her. Man, I said, no price for me. I started feeling a little emotion then, you know. No price for me. She said, oh, no. She said, you you don't act very excited. And my wife, she's full of joy. And my little girl's dancing around the room with whatever she got. I said, you just try me one more time. Give me one more chance. I like those prizes. She said, well, you need to prove it. I, I will. Brother, the next time we got together, whew, I'm waiting on my prize. find a mirror (laughs) I love it oh thank you thank you stand up stand up thank thank you thank you I don't have a problem with her getting me something now You know what? I think sometimes the way we do God is He blesses us. And we just kind of go, thank you. Oh, yeah. Did you you like it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We kind of come in here and go, God, been good to me. Hope the preacher don't preach too long tonight. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he's standing there saying, hey, hey, you still got a job in this economy? Hey, 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 hey. What What about... What, what about that car you drive? What, what about the roof over your head? And we want God to bless us. Why don't you try a little different tactic? Why don't you come in here and say, God, you've been good to me. I thank you. I praise you. I love your blessings. I love your presence. I love your goodness. I'm so glad to be in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to tell you, if you want to have a future, you need to show up at the dance. If you want God to bless you, you need to show up at the dance. If you need God to move for you, you need to show up at the dance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
I'm just about through. Remain standing with me. Revelation chapter number 5. Revelation chapter number 5. John said, I saw that there was no one worthy to open the book. And he said, I began to weep. Nobody's worthy. There's there's nobody. Nobody that measures up. Nobody's worth it. Nobody can get the job done. And he began to weep. And the Bible said that one of the elders came and touched him and said, John, weep not because there is one who is worthy. (laughs) There is a lamb who has prevailed. And he's the one who is going to open the book. He is worthy. Hey, you want to know who that elder was? You want to know who, who, who he was among? You look back in Revelation chapter number 4 and you find that there was elders who were worshiping before the throne. Now I'm going to tell you something. You can be one of the weepers or you can be one of the worshipers. And the weepers are always talking about what don't get done. The weepers are always talking about how worried about the church that they are. And how terrible everything is. Or you can be one of the worshipers who gets a little bit of insight. And says, hey, God's got this thing under control. Everything's going to be alright. Everything's going to be okay. God's got His hand on us. God's going to take us through. God's going to make a way out of no way. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Worshippers have a testimony. It says, God has made a way and God has delivered me in the past. And what I'm going through now, He's going to deliver me. He will deliver me in the future. I've got confidence in Him. Amen. Worshippers have a bad day at work, but they walk through those doors and they leave all of that outside and they lift their hands and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder how many worshipers do we have in the building tonight? I wonder how many worshipers do we have? I wonder how many answers that you could get in this conference if we would make this a worshiping conference. I wonder, I wonder how many people could leave with a miracle or with a healing if we would make this a worshiping conference. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do we have any worshipers in the house? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 I wonder if there's somebody tonight, you have a desperate need in your body. You have a desperate need in your home. You have something that you need or have to have God do for you. I wonder if you'd make your way around the front. If you'd make your way up here to the front. And you would say, God, I'm going to be a worshiper tonight. I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. 
wonder if there's anybody here who needs the Holy Ghost. I wonder if there's anybody here that's going through the storm of your life. You need God to help you get through it. Why don't you be a worshiper tonight? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Lift your voice tonight. Oh, come on. That's it. Hallelujah. Raise your worship and praise to the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. God, you've been nothing but good. 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 Nothing but good. 